Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. This is Danny J. And Jill Coleman. And we are super, super excited because we have one of our really good friends here, Miss Lori Harder, joining us today. Yeah, Lori. I feel like a co-pilot today. (laughs) You are. There's three people piloting this ship today. (laughs) There's three people. We invented this shit. (laughs) We are so excited to have you here. Um, Lori has a book coming out. So we were we had you on our list to talk to you anyway. So this is like really extra special because we get to talk about something really fancy you're doing. But <laughs> first of all, uh, if you guys don't know Lori Harder, you need to follow her on Instagram immediately. But we have Jill and I have known Lori for quite a long time. And I guess can you tell us a little bit about like where you came from and what are you doing here in, in this living room? I came from the woods. Um, <laughs> In my mom's womb. Yes. Um, but we were trying to pin, I was trying to pinpoint when I met you guys. Was that like seven years ago? It was yeah. a long time ago. It's hard to know like when we just knew of each other right. versus actually I met know. in person. But you and I, you recorded actually for Best of You my very first year in 2012. Oh my God. That's when you were just getting started with Isagenics and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. I know. We go way, way back. I know. I was trying to figure that out, but we might have gone back even further if we were talking about like social world. But anyway, where did I come from? Yeah. Like we really all came from MySpace. Like I feel like we all knew of each other back then. With Jill, it was, was a pretty that, small like, we space back about, then. Like, when did we meet mm-hmm. Lori in person? And I was like, well, it wasn't till much more recent than I would have thought, but we knew like of each other and all that forever. If I saw someone like in a sparkly bikini on MySpace, I yeah. was like, oh my God, who is this? How do they know about this world? Like, I must be friends. Um, And I probably stalked you anyway, because that's usually how I find most of my friends. Um, I am from way up north in Upper Michigan, and I'm from a a very restrictive, um, I grew up in a very restrictive uh, religion with my family, really loving family, but at the same time, it just created a lot of what I'm doing now and who I am. Yeah. So I know that uh, you and I have had a lot of different conversations about our past, but growing up in a family where you could really only associate with the people who were in your church and it was such a small town. So it wasn't like a typical big church. It was like, I really had only like two other girls my age and we didn't necessarily really connect on that level. So at a young age, I found myself doing a lot of things on my own. And yeah. really, I remember telling myself this story of like, I'm better alone. Like I can I can go off all day long. Like I just go explore, or go on my rollerblades or go biking and things like that. And uh, my family also struggled with their weight my entire life. So I remember sitting around my grandma's dining room table and it was all of my aunts around the table and they were talking about how we have bad genetics. And that it was just like, just wait. It was my fate. They were like, just wait. You're going to gain weight too. You're going to be overweight too. And they didn't even, they weren't saying it in like a, you know, it was just like a loving family type conversation. Just this is what it is. It is what it is type of way. And I remember at a really young age being like, no, because I saw so much sadness and depression and just anxiety like these were all typical topics in my family and 
a young age thinking that is not going to be me. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But you know how we all have, in, we have an inner knowing, obviously. Yeah. And at a young age, that was like speaking to me. It was like a full force, like, uh-uh, not going to happen. I'm going to have to go all in on figuring this out. So I remember I'd even like 11, 12, 13, I would ask my mom for fitness magazines. Like we'd go to the grocery store and I would just beg her for fitness magazines because it was like any information on how I could beat these bad genetics. I mm -hmm. wanted to figure it out. So I remember there was a moment where I had made a friend from another congregation because it was the only way that I could like hang out with people is if they were in my religion. So we would travel sometimes two or four hours to meet other girls. And I met this girl who seemed like a total alien to me. Like she, her family was totally different. Like she, she traveled more, like was from kind of a very fit family. They made more money and that was like accepted and normal where where I lived, it was in our congregation, it was like money was not, you know, it was kind of frowned upon. And mm -hmm. yeah, I remember one summer as a teenager, once we could kind of, you know, go back and forth and spend time at each other's house because she lived far away, we ended up spending a week together. So I went to her family's house, spent a week there and I lost five pounds. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like it was an immediate ob observation actually on the first day because that night, we had like spent this whole day outside. Like we were super active. We only ate like three meals that day, which I was like, so bizarre. <laughs> and it was just like small meals. I was like, where's like all, where's the feast? Yeah. You know, where's yeah. all the snacks? And yeah. they did not have snacks. And that night we had gotten back from like playing outside all day and swimming. And, and it was probably seven o'clock and it was after dinner. And I was like, so where's the snacks? Like, cause that was my, that was the nightly thing. Yeah. And she's like, you just ate. <laughs> Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And I'm like, do you have any cookies or like candy? Yeah. And she's like, we have an apple. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I look like she just, it's, she might as well offered me like liver. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Was, an apple. And, um, so this went on for the whole week and I just observed, you're telling me that there's a completely different way to live, uh, to be and to think. Yeah. And it was my first time that for a whole week, my whole perspective on life shifted. It's like when you now travel or you travel to Europe and you, it's like your life just is on the screeching brakes go on and you're like, wait a minute, people are living in a different way different. than I am. And it's changing the way that these people are and how they feel. So that was really it for me in that moment of there's a different way of showing up. There's different habits. There's different way of thinking. And they seem to be really happy. And to them, like I, anxiety wasn't a topic of conversation. Like being nervous or being anxious was like not a thing. Mm, it didn't yeah. exa exist. In fact, when I would talk about it, they would actually think I was weird. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, wait, what? So from then on, I now when I talk about my family, it's like I love them and this was their paradigm. But at the same time, I just that's when I started to really withdraw, spent a lot more time outside, spent a lot more time in my bedroom. I spent a lot more time you know, getting a, a, a gym membership and getting dropped off at the gym because I was just striving and grasping for how to feel better mm -hmm. because I was really aware that I did not feel good or happy at a very young age. Yeah. So for me, it was like immediately starting to understand, okay, I feel better when I move. I feel better when I'm with this person. Okay. This mindset makes me feel better without understanding that's what you're doing. So. so interesting. So I'm always like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like, how does this relate back to? So the book is called A Tribe Called Bliss. Mm -hmm. And we want everyone to pick up a copy because we have 
we have dug into it and it is just so surprising because I think it's all it's a book all about communities and tribes and masterminds, which we'll talk about here in a second. And the tools that you give in the book for like being able to find these people and expose yourself. Like you're saying, you know, this is maybe the first time that you realize that being exposed to a different lifestyle or going out of like getting out of your tiny little circle has opened up your eyes to a different way mm-hmm. of living. So what was your ne- so that was your first tribe like what was your next maybe iteration maybe you graduated high school what was next for you so the reason why that's uh, like growing up was so important to the book was because like i said it was i led a really isolated childhood for the most part and even when i met this other little tribe it was like still very small and isolated so then their perspective became my perspective and unfortunately that group of girls and fortunately for who i am now it was like you know, we all were in that religion with the intention of when we turned 18, it was really to go out and explore the world and to find ourselves. So from from coming from something very restrictive, that version of that at 18 turned into like hardcore drinking, like Mm -hmm. five to seven nights a week to going from a world that's so closed off to a world that's so open and going absolutely crazy for a couple, two to three years. And from there, Those girls did not, like, we didn't know how to be good friends to each other. Like, none of us did. And unfortunately, it was like, just a lot of crap went down. And I thought that that's how women were to each other, Mm. is not supportive, not showing up for each other. Just so from there, honestly, when I thought of changing my life, because I couldn't do it anymore, I started to get so depressed drinking all the time and and, um, just really feeling disconnected that, again, I went back to building walls. I was like, all right. If this is what it looks like to be with people and to maybe get screwed over by your roommates, Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to build that wall again. Mm -hmm. So I went back to building the walls, back to thinking I'm going to isolate myself and do this on my own um, and really started diving into transformation in in fitness. And that's when I was like, I'm going to do fitness competitions. I'm going to help people transform in fitness. I'm going to be this leader in this way. And that was all good because that started to happen. But I was alone when it was happening. And you can only take yourself so far. And it's really freaking lonely and miserable. And all of a sudden your life starts to, no matter how good you think it is for a while, it's like that isolation actually leads you down a really lonely, destructive path. Because from there, what I learned is that you have got to connect with people to go to the next level of your life and to go to your next level of happiness and to unlock new parts of you that you haven't yet learned about or explored. And you know when you've kind of reached your cap because you start to go backwards. <laughs> yeah. So that's where tribe really started to come in. I had to say, I have to let these walls down. I have to try again. I want to back it up a little bit. So we, I mean, Jill and I met you through the fitness industry. And so obviously down the path of you were already trying to get healthy and, and shift. But, you know, we read the book and at the very beginning was a story that we never knew about mm. you. And it was really, really powerful. And I think it was so well written and I wanted to bring it up, which was you went on a vacation with your girlfriends Mm -hmm. and you had an, uh, you were a victim of an attack. Mm -hmm. And after that attack, it was kind of like swept under the rug. We don't want to talk about it anymore. And that's when you mentioned putting up your walls. Can you tell us more about like Mm -hmm. what happened and why you put those walls up and how you were able to start breaking them down and opening up to people? Mm -hmm. Because I could, I think that's a super powerful story. And I think that that could be a big reason why people don't want to quote unquote have tribe or not Mm -hmm. trust friends or women. Mm -hmm. So 
I haven't, I, it's so funny because I have not talked about this much because the walls were so high yeah. that the book was really like a coming out of, I didn't realize when people would talk to me, they, they couldn't fully relate to what I was trying to, they could understand what I was trying to teach them and share with them, but they couldn't relate because they didn't know that I had gone through certain experiences. Yeah. So I was trying to tell them that I could understand so many women who've gone through really traumatic experiences or or sexual trauma or sexual abuse because it was like they it's like when we hear that other people have gone through it we can finally understand oh she gets me and she also got through it yeah so for me I knew there was a moment writing the book it was like a clear message like you gotta write about it Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to write about it because I I've like it was so many years of shoving it away Mm -hmm. yeah that I was like, I no, I'm over it. And then when I started writing about it, it was like, oh my, I remember the day, <laughs> the day that I wrote it mm-hmm. down, Chris came home and it was like eight hours later and I was just exhausted from bawling because yep. you put yourself back there. Yeah. And it was a powerful experience for me because I wasn't allowing myself to heal. So yeah. really when people write books, they say you heal so much through getting it out. And I really got to heal a lot of that trauma of, Going on, so what happened was I went on vacation with a bunch of girlfriends or two other girlfriends who were roommates at the time. And I, we had gone out drinking all night long and we were in a, in a dance club. I had to go to the bathroom. The lines in Mexico are like, you know, you're going to be an hour before you get back to where you're at. And what happened is I was waiting in the bathroom by the time I got back, which was like a solid hour later, my two girlfriends were gone. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls was like, the person that you go drinking with and she's going to pass out right away and typically get herself in trouble if she does not have a friend looking out for her. I was always the friend looking out for her. So when she was gone and I knew she got taken home by these guys that we went with, I was like, oh my God, they're going to completely take advantage of her. So I'm freaking out, like freaking out. And I run out of the club and I know that you you just, especially when you're drinking, you like trust everyone. You're not totally thinking. So I get in a taxi cab and I'm thinking, okay, this is the fastest way home. Even though in my mind in a split second, they were like, I remember they said you should only take the bus, hmm. but the bus is so slow yeah. there. Yeah. So I was like, Screw and this was also what, cab. 15 years ago? Like, yeah, like there nothing, was no Uber. No. Like, yeah. yeah. It was a, ta- you're going to take a cab. So, so I'm in the cab and I just remember he was playing, um, big Papa or biggie smalls. So, it was like playing over and over again. It was a single and it was just all of a sudden it was like on its third round and we were still driving and I was like, yeah. we are not this far away. Yeah. And the city lights were totally gone behind me. And all of a sudden it was that moment of like, I am in the thick of a jungle right now. Like, where am I going? Mm-hmm. I said, are, are we almost there yet? Like, where are we going? He's like, no, we're taking a shortcut. And I was like, I'm a pretty logical person. I know a shortcut should feel short and should be possibly through the city and not in a jungle. And it was like three minutes later and I was literally, that's when everything on my body was just like full blown, you know, freak out mode, like your adrenaline. I could hear my heartbeat in my ears and he pulled over and he's like, I have to go pee. Right then I was like, oh oh my God, like I'm getting my, I literally remember like getting my fight on, like getting ready to be equipped to fight. And we pull over and he comes in on my my side, like just yelling. I didn't even, I don't even know what he was yelling, but he just wanted money. He wanted something. He was upset. He was scared. I could tell all of the above. Like mm-hmm. he didn't know what he was doing, but he did and he wanted money. And we ended up fighting that night for like 
I think it was like eight hours. Just, it was like physical fighting, physical abuse. And then he'd stop and then we'd talk and then he, he would like fight again and he would strangle me and he would bring me back. And then he would tell me to take off my clothes and then he wouldn't know what to do. And then it was like back and forth all night long. And then at one point I had shoved him out of the cab and he got pushed way over. I got in the driver's seat. I threw the car in reverse and I hit a rock. And that was the moment for one second where I was like, I'm going to die. Yeah. This was it. Like yeah. I pissed him off enough that I, this is it. But I had a moment where I am. This is just that those moments in your life where if you pay close enough attention, we are always being spoken to. Like I can, we're always being spoken to. It was one split moment that something came in and said, this isn't it. You're going to be fine. And it was such a clear affirmation in my life of, holy shit, there is something that's either like out there looking after you because it was complete calm. And while I still had adrenaline, it was like a complete calm in my life of, I'm going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And all of a sudden these words started coming out of my mouth. Like I just started talking about God and Jesus and do you believe in God and are you connected to something and do you have a family? And, and all of a sudden he just softened. Like just, I started to see a human and I started to say, who knows why you say this? Who knows if you just get really logical or if you just all of a sudden when you have those moments, you're clear. But I started to say, um, you're whatever, whatever you've done, whatever you did, like this is your opportunity. Like I'm, I said, I'm completely clear. God is telling me that you're forgiven for everything that you've done. Um, no matter what it is, like this is your opportunity to take me back. You're, I know that you didn't mean to do this. And he started to say this was his first time he'd ever done it. He was like freaking out. And it was just, it was like eight hours, but I can only tell you, I felt like I was there 10 minutes of just chaos, mm -hmm. but also a clear knowing. So, so much came from that because when I was in the, when I was in those moments, I remember saying, if I get out of this, yeah. I will yeah. X, Y, and Z. Now, when I got home, because what ended up happening is after talking to him and him calming down and it took so much talking and so much convincing. And he finally decided if I put my head down in his lap with a knife to my neck, he would take me back to near my hotel and he would drop me off. If I promised not to look back or he would come and find me. So I didn't look back. I went into the hotel, totally bloody from head to toe, chipped teeth, bruised face. I looked crazy, walked into the um, lobby and they were like, you know, yeah. not even knowing. And I just, that's when I lost it. It's like complete breakdown. And I ended up the next day, they're like, they set it up with some cops to come over. Okay. Well, the cops come in a, in a, a bug, like a VW bug. Yeah. They're both in Hawaiian shirts. Oh, they're playing Michael Jackson on the, I'm not kidding you. They're playing Michael Jackson on the radio. And they're like, mm, we're probably not going to find this guy. Just so you know, like yeah. this yeah. happens almost every night Jeez. you're really lucky and i was like this happens almost every night wow and so i get a police report and like five keys are missing on the police report so it's just like you go home with a trophy of a police report and nothing we yeah. looked in probably i don't know 200 different cars but they the cops told me that they cover for each other there yeah. so i'm not gonna find them then later at my hotel some random guy came up to me and uh said for 500 dollars he'll find him and kill him 
<laughs> he said this is what he does and i was like wait are you in on this too because now i'm wow. really freaked out right. right so uh that was that and then my roommates literally i was like should i should i go home like what should i do and they're like no we're well we're not gonna go home we're gonna stay and party but if you want to stay you can stay if you want to go you can go and i was like okay wow. like that's just how what i was used to like wow. it wasn't that traumatic and i yeah. went home and i was having a lot of stuff come up obviously yeah. yes um i was afraid of men um i was afraid of different races i was waking up in the middle of the night i felt totally unsafe i was um like it, I, everything was scary the world now seemed totally unsure and yeah. a, uh very unsafe place for me and you said your friend told you she didn't want to talk about it because it made her feel bad so then i asked her i was like i need to talk about this like i'm freaking out like so much is coming up and she goes i don't want to talk about it it's making me feel bad yeah. and in that moment i was like i don't want to be a burden because my whole thing my whole life was mm -hmm. don't be a burden to my parents don't be a burden to your friends when you're a burden you don't get love yeah. when you're a burden like people won't want you around because I really started to believe that my only way to get love was to be of value to other people. I yeah. still struggle with that to this yeah. day. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not offering you value or money or comfort or constant like advice that I don't deserve to be your friend. Yeah. So, and it, so much of it came from not only childhood, but that moment of like, she said, don't talk about it. That's how I deal with my stuff and it'll go away. Mm -hmm. So mm. I literally thought that that was great advice at the time. Right. Stop talking about it. And of course it started to go away and I shoved it way down, but it took years to start to go away. That's why it was like, you know, I shared this with quite a few people who are just close to me, just, well, like two or three people. And they were like, what are you, why aren't you sharing that? And I thought, yeah. why would I ever share that and burden people with that awful story? Sure. And, um, you know, at the time, my Literally, my parents will find out when they either listen to this podcast or read the book because I never told them mm -hmm. because in my religion, it was like I that night I was wearing a, a tiny dress. Yeah. I was drunk. I was out at a club. I was doing all of the things that I shouldn't be doing. I was irresponsible. I was out with guys. I was so ashamed because I believed that I brought that on myself. Mm. Yeah. So for years, I wouldn't like I wouldn't tell them. And then by the time, you know, five years goes by when I'm like, oh. I could say something now i it's over right but it's not over like that's no. why so many of these things when we talk about tribe and we talk about the book it's like you don't know what you're holding on to yep. and you don't know what it's blocking you from yep. until you start to share it um and i'm not saying bond over drama all the time but these stories hold so much shame and pain that when you start to share them and people say oh my god me too yeah you feel like a hundred pounds flying off of your soul yeah. and you don't even realize it. And I can't even tell you how many things from our old relationships or old traumas like come into the life that we're carrying or that we're living right now. So that's a whole, you know, a huge basis of the book is really learning how to connect deeply with people. And it's like, how much closer are we when we find out these things totally. about each other? Yeah. Like, What's it, amazing it's a huge were, way to connect. You were able to write about this and bring a book about connection because mm -hmm. you were so disconnected for so long. You blocked it off and you could write the book about how you should never share anything because look what happens when you do. Your friends don't want to hear it and you're a burden. Mm -hmm. And yet you continue to like work on yourself and then find the people who could. And I think that book gives other women permission 
if they have any, you know, anything to find, to keep looking for those people that they can talk to and realize that their stories are not a burden. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's definitely a vulnerability to sharing too. So like fast forward a few years and you're competing, you're doing, you know, top of the game in terms of like physique competitions, getting on stage and still, you know, and having, of course, your relationship with Chris, but feeling maybe disconnected from women or just like not connected to women. Mm And you and your only experience with friends is like maybe not supportive. You're a burden. So how do you start to be vulnerable or even know that you need to be vulnerable, right? Like have the insight of because you've only been burned. So like how does that start to happen? And then, you know, what is how do you know who to share with? Mm. Well, it's connecting is going to be just that. It's going to be vulnerable and you have to be open to the, the hurt. You're going, it's just like a regular relationship with a spouse, a partner, whatever that looks like. Like you can't get in a relationship without fully uh, offering yourself over to someone and also knowing they can break your heart. And that's how it is with women, except we don't think that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. We're like, you're not my best friend. Ah! I'm closing <laughs> off to all women. And it's like, no, we're not like there. So we're given those, re- those things and those, um, you know, uh, like, the pain for a reason. It's like that, what that woman is not for you. She was for you for a little while. She was meant to help you evolve on your path. Now the pain is trying to tell you move on, find someone else mm-hmm. or, you know, cause some people are on our journey for a lifetime. Sometimes they're not. So yeah. that's just how it's going to look. You're going to be vulnerable. You're going to open up. Some people are going to stay. Some people are going to go. So for me, how I really knew was I was getting in relationships with women And I was doing what I had always done, thinking that these were real relationships. And while some of them were, but not as deep as I wanted, um, because I was only doing the one-way relationship again. If I can't help you or add value to your life or make you feel like somehow get validation from you that I'm amazing and I'm helping you, then I, if I can't offer you value, especially if you're ahead of the game than me, I don't feel enough Mm -hmm. and I can't be friends with you because- Mm -hmm. If I don't feel like I'm offering you value, then I don't, I'm, I'm too insecure to be your friend. And I just didn't feel like I, I couldn't connect with people. So what was happening is I was in all of these one-way relationships. It wasn't their fault. It was how I was showing up where I would go to lunch with people or I'd hang out with people. And it was like, I was only constantly offering advice and they would ask me, how are you? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm great. Yeah. You know, this is happening, but I'm great. And I would never be willing to be a burden to them by saying, no, my, I, my life sucks right now. Yeah. I'm struggling a lot. I'm having massive food issues. Um, I'm feeling like really insecure over this, or I'm feeling awful about this or this happened, or my relationship looks like this right now. I was not willing to go there. And that is what we actually connect on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is how we have this back and forth relationship of really, truly connecting with each other. If one party is not willing to be vulnerable, you can only go so far. So what was happening when I knew that I had to let these walls down was like, I was exhausted. I I, I ended up getting a coach because I thought that I needed to give more and I thought that I needed to have more events and I thought that I needed to be doing more things and I needed a bigger audience and I needed a book and I needed all of these things. And she's like, no, you need a connection. Like mm-hmm. you're only thinking that you are like, you're trying to use your audience and these people that you're pouring into as your connection. And you don't actually you're getting anything back. have a place where you're being vulnerable yeah. and getting anything back. And I was like, that's 
fucking scary. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to share who I am if that means getting stuff back. I mean, it took me a long time. Right. Like the first time I started to be vulnerable and share, I felt bad for like a week. Like I wanted to call that woman that I would share with and be like, well, I'm so sorry. I feel like I just like word vomited all over you. Or when I was talking about her, I didn't mean to gossip about her. And that was that's not gossip. If you're talking with a solution of like, this yeah. is what's going on. I really have this intention of wanting to get to the other side of this. But I was so worried the whole time that I couldn't connect with anyone. So yeah. I just felt like women were energy vampires. And that was my opinion of them. I was like, women are energy energy vampires. It's a one-way relationship for me. Um, I don't feel connected. I feel like women are weak. Like I'm just being really mm-hmm. honest. Sure. Like, I was so judgmental of women, even though... I was seeking my validation from women. Like, let me help you so I can feel like good about myself. And if I couldn't, then I wouldn't go there. Yeah. I remember when we met in person, I think it was 2016. Did and, I try to help you? And you told me, no, no. <laughs> you had actually told me that that year you made an effort. You said, you mm-hmm. told me that you moved to California and you said when you first moved to California that you thought all women in LA were like mm-hmm. stuck up and you didn't make any friends. And then you decided to shift your mindset and you said, and I really loved this and I thought it was really uh, really cool was that you were making an effort to just connect with new people. Mm-hmm. And so we went out to uh, Orange Theory and then had a coffee. And I saw you on social media just having dinners with different people and having coffees with different people. And it was really cool to see from the outside because you were really intentional about – so I didn't know you had a coach at the time or maybe that was where it came <laughs> from. But you were being really intentional about trying to make friends. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool to see from the outside because mm-hmm. I think sometimes – we get in these like these little bubbles of just our spouse and our family and our kids or just our small amount of friends. But sometimes you do have to make that extra effort and step outside and try something new and maybe word vomit on somebody mm-hmm. and like kind of practice. Like you've made, you've practiced it. Mm-hmm. It didn't just come naturally. It sounds like. No, tons of practice. And yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that. It's so fun to go back and see kind of like when, you know, moving really helped me get intentional with it because I had to. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, I'm not meeting anyone right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did those dates all the time. Yeah. And some of them, uh, I was just talking about it today. Like some of them you leave and you're like, mm, probably not. not. Yeah. Right. And then others you're like, wow, yeah. that was amazing. But even the ones that are not for you are so beautiful because you gain, you know, as a human human being, I really believe our job is just to connect and understand humans. Yeah. So even the ones where your energy doesn't mesh right away, it's like you're that's a that's a deeper understanding of a human relationship and where they're at and like for whatever you do in your life that's really powerful. You were almost like friend dating. Totally. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Like and I did that for a long I still do that, but yeah. I really went on a rampage for a while. Yeah. And that opened a lot up for me because it made me realize all the things that we're afraid of and it also made me assess how I felt afterward. Like I totally get how people feel when they're trying to find a tribe because yeah. I'd be in my car with a vulnerability hangover like 30 seconds later, like, I shared too much. Oh, my God, I feel so bad. Why did I tell her that? Like, she's going to use that against me. And I was like, okay, you're okay. Like, even if she uses it against you, no one person can ever take down another person, no matter how powerful you think they are. First of all, holding that belief, you're like, okay, you're fine. Like, because our brain, if you're really going to go to worst case scenario, that's where it could go. Um, But at the end of the day, like, nobody's out to, they're just not. Like, and if they do something to hurt you, it's like, that's because they're hurting. Yeah. For the most part, you're going to have a really good feeling about, or you're going to have an idea of, "Mm, don't share too much with this person, or you're going to want, you're going to be, 
moved to share, mm-hmm. in which case, share. And no matter what the outcome, if you were moved to share, your outcome was meant to be the outcome it was. Yeah. And it's like, we're always, I hold the belief that everything that happens to me is for my evolution. So painful, vulnerable, not fun. I needed that for me to evolve into the person and go where I needed to go. So when you hold that belief, that is such an empowering belief, especially when you're building your tribe and making friends. Because it's not always, even with your best friends and your most amazing crew, there might be things that you feel disappointed or you feel hurt or you had an expectation. And like the faster we can move through those and release them, the the better it's going to get with that group of women. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think Danny and I can kind of relate to being in a really solid like relationship with a significant other and kind of almost feeling as if that's enough. I was kind of the same way for a long time. Like I just had the one person and, and I think Danny did too. And we kind of, I didn't really feel a need to outsource for women. Now I know I'll never make that because it was, it was too much for us. And I will never make like one person be everything, right? Like I need to outsource my emotional support at times. I need to out like outsource my laughs or like go out for drinks and have different energies. Mm -hmm. So was there a point and, you know, obviously the Best Life podcast is about kind of like neutralizing and normalizing some of maybe the taboo things that are going on in relationships, whether that's a romantic relationship or friendships. When was there a moment that you were like, okay, this might even be burdensome to my relationship or did you even have that thought? Oh my God. I had it all the time because, you know, So for me, I'm an analyzer. (laughs) I know it seems weird, Um, (laughs) but I want to like, I want to go, I want to talk about all of these different things. I want to dig and I want to analyze. And I like, if I have something that's going on in my life, I could, I'll talk about it for three weeks to you. Like, and Chris wants to talk about it once. (laughs) So for me, I take that as a personal diss, like, like, oh my God, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't care about me or he thinks I'm being a burden or something Mm -hmm. like that. So um, when I understand, like, that's just not how his brain works. I need to have my friend who can analyze and dig deep with me and who can do all this, like, spiritual, whatever, this crazy journey with me and maybe, you know, cacao ceremonies and moon dancing and whatever. Like, that's just, he's not going to be that person. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want him to be, right. you know. Um, if he wants to come along later on, that's awesome. But there were, and that's just one example but the putting the burden of needing to be my best friend, my therapist, um, the person who helps me with my anxiety, the person, I mean, that is too much for anyone. Yeah. And not only is it, it's like such high expectation for you that, you know, growing up, I watched my sister just hold really high expectations for her relationships. And she's never been happy in any friendships or relationship because she and now she's married and like happy but and worked through quite a few things but it's like having such i just saw what high expectations do mm-hmm. of thinking one person and one friend needs to be everything for you you will always be let down if you want that yeah. so now i have a friend you know now i have friends who like i freaking love talking about business with and then i have friends who i love doing the spiritual journey with and then i have friends who i can be creative with and i have the friend who i just want to go drinking with and be totally moronic and then i have you know the friend that like we can just sit and be quiet and it's so wonderful to know who i can go to for what instead of thinking you know i used to get let down all the time like yeah i love her and she's amazing and she feels this side of me but why can't she ever just go let loose right yeah. cuz that's not 
your friend for that. Yeah. So go find someone else. Like we're multifaceted. Well, you know? I, I love that you mentioned that because right before you came on, Jill and I talked about, <laughs> she's already smiling. She knows, was, you know, when we're talking about tribe, we some, I at least sometimes think or assume that tribe means people just like you or people mm. like like-minded. So now that we're single, are we only allowed to hang out with single people right. and the married people? Do they only hang out with married people and moms have to hang out with moms? So we wanted to get your take on that. Mm. Like, can you have different people in different facets. Of well, just life. to give some context, so just people know who are listening. So a couple of years ago, the three of us went to Cabo together mm-hmm. yeah. and it was such an amazing time because neither one of us had spent like that much. I feel like we haven't really all that spent that much time together. Like mm-hmm. we were there for three days and it was, the resort was so fun and the weather was amazing. And we had such a great time. And, um, but it was like a clear, like both of us are like straight off our divorces. And so Danny and I were like, okay, so we're going to go out. And we, you know, we had amazing dinner. And then Lori was like, she's good. Like, she's yeah. like, I'm kind of introverted. I have to like recharge. I'm not like looking, like I'm not looking for dudes, right? Like you were totally like, I'm going to go to bed. Lori and it's like 10 PM. And it's, we didn't get home to like one or two. And it's just different phases of life. So you know, do you need to connect with people? Like, is it okay to have people and you just know what their role is in your life? Totally. And you know, what's funny is like, actually, I loved that trip because I was so, it was a moment of realization that I was so fine with like that. Yeah. Like I actually loved being able to drink during the day with you and pass out. And I was like, and also it was a journey, it was a self-love journey for me because I had to be okay with not wondering what you guys were thinking or if you wouldn't like me after that trip because of it. Like owning where you're at and like allowing yourself No, we talk shit about you though. Like once you went to bed, we talk shit about you. (laughs) (laughs) Like owning where you're at and allowing that to just like fully accept yourself. And I think that if we can't, Accept ourselves. Yeah. You won't be able to have other tribes. You know what's funny about that? You you even saying that because it, I know what you're going to say opposite is I'm, like I would have thought. How did Lori think of us? Right, because oh, like God, our no. marriages failed, and she's still married, and we we're like, dang, because you know we just my ex and I had just gone out with you and your mm-hmm. husband a few months before, and I mostly thought of. Gosh, what does Lori think of us since we're totally like the single ones? Oh my God, so it just shows your sensitivity, right? We're like, oh, does she think we're party yeah. animal? Like, yeah. you know, you have all these. Does so she? Do is she know, gonna take so us my seriously? Story is I'm a prude because I went so prude like for such a long time to be taken serious for after my party days that I was like, oh my God, they're gonna think I'm a prude. So I had to <laughs> no. release thinking. Yeah, that our I was story a prude. was like, we don't want to be like the party girls because <laughs> we were right. This is so awesome. <laughs> this, is, this is why you need like, and that's why other tribe is so much fun. But it's like yeah. a true self development practice yeah. of being like you guys being like, I don't care. I had fun. I went and drank, and we got to see each other during the day and whatever. Yeah. And you know, it was even a practice of me releasing my expectations of like, well, I thought we were gonna go and like mastermind and hang out and like low key girls thing. To like immediately, I felt myself for one second be like, oh, this isn't what I thought. And then going, of course, they're going to do that. That's what I would do. And like understanding where you guys are at. There's no way I would have stayed in knowing where you were at. Like no way. And then I got to have fun doing what I like to do, dressing people and putting makeup on you guys. And then being (laughs) like, peace, I'm tired. (laughs) Getting a full night's sleep. And then, you know, having some cocktails during the day. But how beautiful of the different like (laughs) tribes meshing and melding like i've got some really close friends you know who have kids like families full-blown families that i never thought that i would be like best friends with women who have kids who are you know teenagers or four or five six and it's like it's very different when you're all coming from this place of like mutually vested interest in each other's journey and supporting each other 
because then it's like you're not, you know, they have their friends that they talk about their kids with. They don't talk about their kids with me. And that's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what they know they're going to do with me. Can they talk about their kids? Of course. Yeah. But do they? No, because I'm the girl they go to when they want to talk about more of like their plans or um, their business or their dreams or things like that. But if they want to talk about family, they have these other groups that it's like hardcore. Let's talk about the kids and where they're going and their development. And, you know, so it's been really if I was missing out on all of these things and I was missing out on you guys, that would really suck ass. So (laughs) it's kind of just the more you can accept where they're at and also know that it's always your your insecurity. It's really like not even them. And if you feel uh, like there's a conversation there that needs to be had, it's amazing what a conversation can clear up. I mean, look at that. I love that. That's hilarious. And, you know, I want to get into like some of the tactical stuff because you have some amazing guidelines in here. So for people who are listening to this and are like, geez, I wish, you know, well, they live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in the industry there. There's fitness people. Or it's so easy to meet people. I live in you know the Midwest and in a small town, and you know no one here does this thing. No one listens to podcasts. No one. So how do you go about you know finding maybe that first person? Is it do you go to the internet? Like mm-hmm. do you do internet dating for friendships, or totally. is it like how do you find that person? Um, well, my I mean my first tribes. Literally, if we go way back, we're all internet. Like I was just connecting with other women online because I felt that way. I'm from the Midwest. I was like, where are my like-minded people? Yep. They're definitely not here. And they probably, some of them probably were, but I was like so close-minded to that that I was like, no, I'm just going to find them online. I reached out to people. I was really honest, um, knowing that we're all the same. We all want the same thing. Like knowing that these other women, especially if they were in the same realm that I was, that they're feeling lonely too. And I thought, how do you connect to a human? You be a human. (laughs) So I was like, okay. I've always been able to just say, hey, I really am looking for some women to connect with. Like maybe we could support each other in our goals. You know, I know that it can be really lonely building a business or doing the fitness thing. Like, you know, do you want to connect? Like how how does this connection look for us without it being a burden? And just literally asking them, you know, do you want to talk once every two weeks? Or can I support you for... 30 minutes where we could just get on a Skype and like belly to belly, like actually have a a real connection. You know, what does that sound interesting to you? Always let them off the hook. Then you're never a weirdo. Like just say, if this is not the right time for you, awesome. I'm just offering this to any like-minded woman that I feel like I would have a connection with. Mm. We have to do that or you're going to stay lonely the rest of your life. Like you just are. Um, you know, the people who like, I can only imagine the dating world. If you're not willing to put yourself out there or have those connections or be vulnerable, you're not going to meet anyone. Totally. So, and if you're not honest, you're not going to meet anyone. So it's like, it's the same exact thing in the friend world. It's if you're not honest, if you don't say who you really are, they can't see you, they can't connect with you. So find them online and, you know, put the book goes really clear into, um, what do you want this relationship to look like? You have to tell them what it's going to look like. You have to respect um, what you create. So if you say, really say only 30 minutes every other week, do not let it go over because the second that happens, one person is not going to feel respected. And yeah. what if they have an appointment afterward or they have to go pick up their kid or the second that that is gone over, you've broken something. Yeah. And one person is going to be silent and there's going to be a silent resentment. It talks a lot about that, like these unspoken agreements yep. that we have within a tribe that if we all don't start speaking up, we're never going to have a tribe. Yep. So lots of rules in there, but rules I find like rules make really awesome relationships. Otherwise, one person is probably losing themselves. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love too that uh, I love the online thing. And then you have an event every year that's amazing Mm -hmm. that people who have found you and obviously connect with you come to and uh, meet in person. So tell us a little bit more about like going to live events, what people should expect and like why would you do that to meet people? Mm. Well, events in general, I mean, like Jill, your mastermind is freaking amazing. Um, you know, any live event, Danny, you just had uh, a live event recently, yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Um, they're so incredibly important because they are um, like the world's best bar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> when you're like, I'm going to go to New York to go to their bars. It's like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's all, it's generally people who have some of the same interests, obviously yeah. from all different walks of life and all past stories coming to one place. So odds are you're going to meet, it, it's going to make it much easier to connect with the people that you are looking to connect with. Yeah. Um, and there's really something huge about total immersion at events. Like it's a really safe space for you for an entire day or three days or week or whatever you choose. The longer that you go, the more I find that you can really allow yourself to come out and connect even deeper. But it's the fastest way to create really close connections because you are in total immersion of a space that says, you know, likely the facilitator or the people in the room are all have the agreement, you know, because relationships are based on agreements the agreement that it's not weird to meet each other here. This is why we're here. Like at my event, I literally say from stage, you are just here like for each other. Yeah. So nothing is weird. Everything that you say is accepted. Like let it go if it bothers you, whatever. Like we're just here to like put ourselves out there and meet like-minded tribe. So it's very fast like that. And I really believe that when we are in a group of two or more people, we access information and a part of ourselves that we cannot access alone. It's just how we're created. It's godly. It's divine. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's energy. But together like that energy creates such um, a miraculous opening in your life and a beautiful connection. So that's really even why tribe in the book is it's not just one other person. It's like two plus yep. because the all of the different energies together just create this like amazing soup of goodness. I love it. You have your Blitz Project and then you're having a new uh, live event next year too aligned with Chris, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Don't totally have it planned yet. Um, <laughs> like we have a, we have a general idea, but how I've learned like everything goes out in the world is you um, put it out and then you plan it. Yeah. So we know what it's for. It's, it's how we just do stuff like, around yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I needed, we needed something for men and women because we've been getting asked so much. And also, you know, an interesting thing happens. Like you have all these live events for women. You have these podcasts that are kind of like without saying it for women. And, you know, you draw in this big women crowd and we open up all these women. We crack them open. And then we're kind of like, how do the men deal with this new language? Like, so we go home yeah. speaking Greek and they don't speak Greek yet. Yep. So we need to somehow either bring them along, teach them la- the language or learn how to share what we're learning. Yeah. Or sometimes we can go back and I know I've gone to events without Chris and it's like I forget he didn't go. So I come back this completely, totally immersed new person and it's like, oh, he wasn't there with me. He did not learn this. Like he doesn't have these tools yet um, and you can leave them behind. So it's kind of like that's why we knew we needed something where they could bring men to as well. 
We need a whole other episode on that stuff. Yeah. I know. I definitely, but I do want to kind of talk about that a little bit because we have talked obviously a lot about romantic relationships on the Best Life podcast. And, you know, I mean, it is, it's rare that you guys, that you can be in a relationship for as long as you have mm-hmm. work together, you know, do live together, work together, both work from home. So like, I mean, without being like, what's your secret? Like, what is that tough? Like, have you guys had to work through stuff? Like what mm-hmm. has been... What have you maybe learned as a result of completely maybe immersing yourself together and going like, okay, maybe we do need to like figure this out or like navigate this so that we don't just like overdo it or depend on each other or become burdensome to the relationship? Um, A lot of conversation, but the conversation didn't happen right away. It happened out of necessity. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So when people are like, oh, it must be nice. Sounds like they have great communication. Great communication was a learned Such a practice. Yep. Thankfully, in my relationship, he always would want to talk or communicate. And my ver- which is so funny because I'm an analyzer, but my version of getting through a fight was to um, leave. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's getting a little heated. Bye. Like, uh, yeah, bye all the time. And I'd get in my car legitimately, normally after drinking, and I'd like go park down the street or oh, no. like, you know, being in my early 20s, just being really honest, we'd normally be fighting or whatever. And I mean, I'd be in a big city with him drinking, and I would go like, Go walk in New York, like down city blocks. Yeah, I'd be no. so angry with right. him. Yeah, and um, I, you know, at, at the time, I'm just like, I don't care. Like, if someone came up to me, they would most likely be more hurt because <laughs> I just felt like a raging psycho um at the time. But that was all of my relationships up until Chris's. Yeah. I would leave, 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 leave. Yeah, therefore them not working out. <laughs> um. Because it, it was almost like I got addicted to that as well. So yeah. I would start these little fights like to make them prove that I could not be with them. Yep. And then mm-hmm. I would leave. It was it just was a pat. It was becoming a pattern. I got addicted to that really high, high. Like I was either madly in love with them or I was creating an outrageous fight. Don't get me wrong. They had a lot of flaws as well, but I definitely fed it. Like I just was addicted to that. So Chris was the first guy who was like, <laughs> he said to me legitimately when we were dating, he was like, if you leave one more time in the middle of a fight, like it w- I was about to leave and he was like, do not walk through that door again. I can't do this. He's like, I'm not, he was just, he went through a relationship where the girl before me was crazy. Thank you to that girl. I, I'm like so grateful to her. She was crazier than I was. Her flavor was a little more like just, just one more. shade higher than me. And he, she was actually like physically abusive to him. So he was like, no more. I, I can't do yeah. this anymore. So what happened is during that fight, I was like, well, I'm leaving anyway, because I was like, how dare somebody tell me I can't leave? Mm. Like, that was it. So I get in the car and I pull out to the end of the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) I just stood there because I knew he was serious. It was a, it was so clear to me that it wasn't a, he was, that was it. Yeah. It was like, I'm over it. Like, I can't do this to myself anymore. And I was at the end of the driveway and I was like, shit. So I just stood in the driveway for a while. (laughs) <laughs> and then I tucked my tail between my legs and like kind of pulled the car back up probably like an hour later. And I was like, I didn't leave. <laughs> like, you I know, when you walk leave. in the house, that's all I you say. I was in the driveway. Like, so then I, I like went into a room and closed the door for a while. But that was the first step of yeah. realizing I can't leave. And then now we try to stay in the room together at least. <laughs> And be quiet or go on a walk or say, I just need to go in another room before I say something I don't mean. But now we're committed to get to the end of a conversation and learn how to 
talk with each other. So I know that to get to the other side of a fight, he has to say how he feels and I have to say how I feel. Mm -hmm. And in order for that to happen, I have to keep my mouth shut no matter how raging I am and actually hear what he's saying. Mm. And he has to do it for me. Mm -hmm. So, but we learned that, right? It's like the only way to get through a fight is to actually hear each other and listen. The thing is in most fights, we don't listen to each other. Yeah. And also asking for a safe space to share how we really feel. I remember the first time when Chris and I, uh, we had first gotten married and it, it was like, I was never a jealous person except when it came to like, if a boyfriend would go to like a strip club or something. And that was a huge thing for, it was a huge trigger for me. Mm-hmm. And even once it was over, I would bring it back up. And so for me, it's like, I'm not a jealous person until. Yep. Okay. So for me, that became a boundary. And I remember the first time. It came up in our marriage. It was like a really good friend of his getting married. And they're like, we're going to go to the strip club. And I was like, I held it in for like a day. And I was like, no, go. Like, I'm going to be the cool girl and tell him just to go. And then I got really quiet. Then I was really upset. And then I was like, this is really bothering me. And I knew it was like that moment where I could either bring this out and say how I felt and be like, you know, I just, we could keep this relationship so like clean. Yep. And I said, I need to share how I feel. Then we can decide together. And I remember being so nervous. Like, what if he is thinks this is ridiculous? Or mm-hmm. what if he's like, no way, this is, you're being so jealous. Yep. And then, you know, it starts this other conversation. And he was a little upset because he was more worried about having to tell his guys, you yep. know. And I said, does it really matter what people think of you? If, if that's the real reason what matters more like our relationship and in not causing this or them. And he started to understand that. And also I said, now I get it. Like I'm totally willing to, if there's something I'm doing to make you jealous, I never want jealousy because I really do think that's one of the biggest triggers for people. And it was for me. And, um, that was just an agreement and a boundary that we made immediately right away. And I'm so glad that I made it. So you're willing to get messy. Oh my God. For the I'm sake so of the relationship. Glad. I think a lot of people so do just brush things under the rug and like, yep. mm-hmm. cause there's always that moment, right? I can mm-hmm. speak my truth and give the other person maybe the opportunity to have the full response. Yeah. Even if it's something that I'm going to have to deal with their anger, they're mad, they're disappointed, whatever that is, mm-hmm. it's messy. Yeah. And a lot of people just go, well, you know, I know what he would say. So I'm not yeah. going to even bring it up, totally. which I think is a kiss of death mm-hmm. for the relationship. So yeah, communication totally. is, but I loved how you said that you have to like practice it. Mm-hmm. You can't just know how to do it. It like does take that kind of like stumbling you know, over yourselves. Yeah. It's never, it's never pretty. Like people are like, how do you do it? I don't know. Just do it. Like just ask for space and mm-hmm. be like, this is, I'm only sharing this because I I love you and I care for you and it's eating me alive. And if I don't share it, I really feel like this is going to come up later. Yep. In a bigger way. And I knew that. And we know it when we suppress it. We're like, oh, shit. Like, I can totally make this go away right now, but this is going to be ugly later. So, yeah, I mean, it could have come out in a fight later, resentment, uh-huh. or you could have just thrown, like, well, when you went to the strip club that one time, <laughs> and he's like, what? I didn't oh, even know sure. that was an issue. And I'd still be using that. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you just in do. In 1992. <laughs> when you went that one time. But, yeah, I mean, it's our responsibility to bring it up, and it's not easy. Have you had to do that with girlfriendships, or, like, has there been moments? Because I think, like... You know, we go, oh, like we're, we expect that we'll fight with our significant other. But mm-hmm. like with our friends, we're like, oh, it's all good. Like it's all easy. Yeah. Have there been, you know, some like kind of uncomfortable conversations you've had to have with girlfriends? Even maybe about your boundaries or maybe about expectations or. Oh, yeah. I think that I've had to have the conversation of like, I'm, you know, I'm really I'm in a very committed, super happy marriage. And when I say that, it's like we are 
we're also best friends. We like to spend time together. When you run three businesses, like I don't have a lot of extra time. So sometimes I'll have women come in my life and it's like they, you you bring these women in and and you want to do things with them. But to be totally honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of time for like what they think I need to be to be like a deeply connected friend. Friend. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes have to paint that picture because I'll have women be like, they just... I'll start getting texts every week and I'm like, whoa, like this is, I can't actually show up for you in this way. And I have to say that. And it sucks ass. Like, you know, I, I want to be there for you, but for me, this is going to look like this. I totally have friends like that still where I have to continue to go back to, and I get scared. I get freaked out. I'll get text messages like, I love you. What are you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while. And, and right away, I want to put my wall up. Like, see, this is why I don't have friends is because they have expectations on me. Sure. And I'm like this free bird. I'm like a Sagittarius. I'm like, no, like, don't do that to me. And then I'm like, no, that's called a girl wanting to connect. Like, just be really open. Yeah. And sometimes texts aren't good enough. So sometimes you have to say, let's jump on a call. And yeah. I have to be really honest. Like, hey, I'm in I'm in massive like push phase right now. We're a momentum phase. So I got to be honest, the only time that I have I'm spending with Chris or I'm recharging or I need to be alone and this is who I am. And sometimes they don't like it and that sucks ass. Yeah. But it's just, those are the conversations you have to have, especially because now I do like to connect and I'm writing a book on tribe. So I think they assume like, let me be in your (laughs) tribe. You want to be friends with everyone. Oh, but I don't have time. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of like you have to, yeah, you have to have those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you lay it all out there and give people good examples and also show, I think you're such a great example of setting those boundaries and it gives people permission to set boundaries for themselves. Totally. The alternative is that you're trying to please everyone. You're trying to be friends with everyone, trying to be a good wife. Chris is now feeling neglected because you're like, honey, I'm trying to be friends with everyone and mm-hmm. I got to see these people. And then you're suddenly neglecting yourself and resentful to everyone else. So mm-hmm. you're a great example of it. And I, mm-hmm. I hope that every woman can grab this book and get these examples and lessons from you because it's super powerful. Mm, I know. Well, that's why I love our friendships, like all our friendships, because I know that like you and I have canceled on each other before, like Mm -hmm. in in the last minute and it's Mm -hmm. totally cool. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm I'm like, I love that. (laughs) I do too. Cause I never take it personally and I get it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it is hard to have. And and like you mentioned, not everyone kind of gets that, but I do think, you know, if you can be honest and doesn't mean I don't love you, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, I got to cancel. I'm just like totally deep in this thing right now or it's called, it's like friend freedom. Like it really is. And we, and both, of us are so much like that so i have to ask you this question because i i have i'm terrible at texting i mean it's just not my favorite like i'm using a lot of voice text now like whatever way that i can i'd rather actually just call someone yeah how is there is there a too long period to get back to someone on text message like is there like is there etiquette i don't think mm-hmm. that there is but it's like okay someone texts you and it takes you a week to get back to them some people take that personally so I've heard so many different things about this because I'm, I'm also... <laughs> this is like real life. I mean, I know it sounds so silly, I'm also but... sometimes terrible. It depends on... This is so interesting because someone said to me the other day, they're like, if you don't want to get back to someone like in that moment or when you see it, that's a sign for you. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. Like that would... They like turned the table on me. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Instead of like, oh, I'm just busy right now. It's like, wow, well maybe you realize the different circles of, of friendship. And sometimes is that true? Maybe, maybe not. Um, Cause I have been in moments of like, Hey, I get it. I'm launching a book right now. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm just not looking at my phone period. Right. But etiquette with text messaging, 
That is such a tough one. It's like, honestly, that's why I have don't take it personal in there. Like, please get over all of it. Like, yeah, I love it. Get over all of it. Because if you take anything personal, your whole life is really going to just be awful. Because people get busy. People skip it. People yeah. miss it. It gets buried. And and sometimes I think the closer that you are, the more you can think she won't care. Sure. You know, because sometimes even, even with you guys, I know that you're on that list of people for me that I never have to worry about doing anything wrong or being judged. And if there is, we'll have a conversation about it. And it's like, so I think for people like that, sometimes you need to also know that you're also on that same page because yeah. maybe I could think we're on that same page, but we're not. <laughs> so it's conversation. No, I text and don't you take January personal. 2nd at 4th and I'm still waiting. So no. <laughs> let me get back to that right now. Um, but yeah, just, you know what? Don't take it personal. Let it go. Yeah. And if it's really bothering you. move on say, with your life. I mean, hey, right? Where are we? Where do we stand? Like, where are we at? That's all I need to know. Anyway, I love it. There's your answer. That's why I love this book. There are so many just really amazing guidelines for how to have really fulfilling relationships mm-hmm. and like how to do it and how to find the tribe and like what are some of the rules they have to establish. Boundaries is obviously a huge one. You know, gossip. You talk a lot about that. There's like just so many nuggets in here that I want everyone to pick up this book and find those people for you and outsource and start allowing for people to show up for you. Mm-hmm. And that can be scary as women, but I, I do love it. I think it's doing a huge service and there's so many just new new tools and tactics in here that I loved. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you. So I'm what are you looking for it. now? What What's like something that you're maybe not try, but what are you like, what are you looking to access next? What do you, what resource, what do you feel like is kind of maybe the next step? I've got a massive urge to help women get their message out there. But in these conversations, I'm so in love with having conversations with two to three other women at once. And I want to create, I'm creating something called Tribe Talks. Um, because I really think it's, it's the most powerful conversations come from like two or more. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Like what even comes up the perspective and the play and the bounce, the bouncing back and forth and the ideas and the, that's where the best stuff comes from. And we cannot do that alone. And sometimes even two people is not enough. So I have a goal of creating conversations like this and what it looks like to actually support women. Um, cause we don't know how to have the conversations. We don't know how to not take it personal. We don't know that women like us are having these conversations in order to make it work. We think it just works. Right. Um, so I want to access those conversations that make it work and put them out there publicly. So that's the next goal. And to hopefully I've always like wanted to be the person who blazes trails for other people to then lift them up. So I hope to be able to create that a space for women who are doing something awesome to also have a platform to share. I love that. Well, just so you know, I think both of us, we just, you inspire us and mm-hmm. just being watching your journey over the last couple of years have really just showed us what is possible and just really appreciate you as a friend and as oh God, one of I my go-tos. You guys. Me too. <laughs> I'm always like, you inspire, what? It's so I'm always like, I'm looking at your stuff. So, <laughs> so Lori, this is the best life podcast. So we want to know what is the best life mean to you? And what does that look like for you? Mm, honestly, lear- learning how to have really beautiful, deep connections, but also knowing that every connection is vital for your evolution, like accepting all that is and definitely exploring what is fun for you and soulful. Like it's your job to have fun and it's your job to connect. Yes. Love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you guys have to pick up Lori's book, A Tribe Called Bliss on Amazon, the Amazon bookstore. Book we'll make sure we put it in the show notes for put sure. Put it in the yes. show notes. Uh, go to the Bliss Project next March probably, right? It's Come to the book March. tour. The book tour. City, oh, yes. City near She's you. She's going to be in <laughs> Toronto, Los Angeles, all the places. So find her at 
what lauriharder.com you can and go to a tribe called bliss a for tribe called all bliss. of that .com. and i know you have like a free facebook group and stuff so people mm-hmm. do want to find yep people totally. it's all in the facebook group or awesome. at a, a tribe is where um all of the live events will be we love you. Thank I you know. for coming. We do. Oh, I love you guys. And Thank you so much. This is amazing. To get this in the hands of everybody. So isn't it so fun to record um content and like just be able to hang out? I know. Totally. We actually forgot the champagne. I know. We had a <laughs> whole bottle of champagne ready to go. <laughs> do over. You guys rewind. And starting from the top. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.